Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. It's a podcast that my brother Bob Hutto, who's the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, and I, Kevin Clark, have been doing for quite some time now. We're very thankful for everybody who's tuned in and been faithfully supporting the program. Uh, there's probably not a, a week that goes by without somebody telling us how much they appreciate uh, the program or texting us or somehow letting us know they really appreciate what we're doing here, and we're very glad to hear that because it shows that you're interested in God's Word. That's exactly what we're here. We're exalting God's Word, not ourselves, uh, not some tradition, but we want to see what God has to say about everything, but specifically in the context of what we've been doing, pursuing holiness and how to be holy. Specifically here, we've been talking about sexual immorality, and so thank you for tuning in. We'll continue that thought, uh, but before we go down that line, I want to uh, take a moment to thank Jason Reed and Mark Townsend, you've heard their names. They're two deacons here, two young men that are very committed to helping the work here, and uh, they have a lot of technical expertise when it comes to computers and uh, putting on podcasts and those sorts of things, and we certainly could not do what we've been doing here without their talents, their abilities, and and their efforts, and so we're so very thankful for them and what they represent to us and for their families for lending them to us. Bob, do you have any introductory remarks? Just appreciate everybody watching and listening and if you if you enjoy the podcast, tell other people about it and and introduce them to to it, and perhaps they'll hear hear the word of God taught and become receptive to it. And so we want to spread it as much as we can to those who are even outside the body of Christ. Amen. But Amen. Uh, if you enjoy it, just tell other people about it. Amen. Well, we've been talking about sexual immorality, and the last podcast spent a lot of time talking about fornication. We want to pivot from that a little bit and talk about a related matter, but this is adultery. And so the difference being adultery involves somebody who's married, uh, stepping outside the marriage relationship and having sexual relations. And the Bible, just as it talks about fornication, has a lot to say about adultery, some of which we've talked about in previous uh, podcast, but the slant we want to take for this particular podcast is more about how to prevent or how to avoid or how to minimize the chances that you will find yourself in that category of adulterers that Hebrews 13.4 says God will judge. And so there's a few things practically that we want to share with you from the Word uh, that we think will help all of us, those of us who are married, to stay faithful to our spouses and not fall into that trap. The first principle that I want to suggest to you and the first practical tip is, is to respect the power of this particular sin. Respect the power of this particular sin. And I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And in the context of sin uh, being able to fail us, uh, here's what I want to say on that. You know, as a married person, when we start out in our marriage relationship, I think most of us would say we could not fathom ever being in a situation where we'd be involved in adultery. It, it just, it's not possible, we think. We're so much in love, we care about our spouse so much, we just can't contact. And that's a wonderful sentiment, and we should keep that sentiment. But at the same time, let's understand that we're fallible. And this is a powerful thing that, that Satan has at his disposal if it's done outside of marriage. And we can fall prey to that. And what we don't want to do is what I call sometimes the, the Teflon Christian who feels like he or she can place themselves into any position, do anything, be exposed to anything, and because they're so strong, they're never going to fall in that way. And this verse says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands. 
take heed lest he fall. It didn't say you're necessarily going to fall, but it says be careful. Don't be overconfident. Because what does overconfidence lead? That leads to us being cavalier, and we put ourselves in situations where if we recognize, you know what, I love my wife, I'm committed to my wife, or I love my husband, but I know that this is a powerful thing, and so I need to be real careful about how I expose myself or how I deal with members of the opposite sex, what positions I put myself. Don't be vulnerable. Don't go to people with problems that you're having in the marriage to the opposite sex that that may take your side of things and start to develop an emotional bond. So we really want to be careful, Respect the power of this sin. doesn't mean that you hold it in high esteem. It means you understand how dangerous this thing is. And you understand your adversary, Satan, who's very effective, has used this all from the beginning of time very effectively. And so we want to be the kind of men that say, or women, that say, you know what? This is a dangerous thing, and I'm going to be very careful to protect the sexual integrity of my relationship. I'm going to protect the sanctity of the bedroom in my relationship, and I'm not even going to get close to crossing that line. Brother, do you have anything to say on that? Well, you, you reminded me of the words of Peter, even though everyone else forsakes you, I walk. Right. right. And so there's that, that right. overconfidence. Yes. Of course, Peter finds himself in a situation. He uh, unexpectedly, he's unprepared. He didn't anticipate it. And before you know it, he's denying the Lord, the very Lord exactly. that he pledged his allegiance to so vehemently. Uh, I thought about the uh, the uh, statement in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 27, can a man take fire into mm-hmm. his bosom and not, not be burned? Be burned yeah. Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Man. You can't flirt with things and, yes. and entertain things That's and, right. and kind of uh, mull them over in your mind mm-hmm. and, and kind of be, be open to them and not, and not get burned. And so, exactly right. like you said a moment ago, you just have to respect the, the power of it, how easily people can be drawn into it how many times have have we heard people say well we we started out as friends right and we started spending time together and before mm-hmm. you know it mm-hmm. one thing led to another we didn't plan it right and right. before you know it, we were in over our heads yes and and so they that's the very thing you're talking about you if you are careful at the beginning right. of that process, you never develop. You it, can yeah. mm-hmm. avoid the the problems that result. Amen. Uh, another point I would make, and, and certainly it's a biblical point. Look over in First Corinthians chapter seven, and that's this: Let's, if we're in our marriage relationships, uh, let's have a regular sex life. And and, and the Lord talks about this. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter seven. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Listen to verse 5. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so he talks about that there are obligations that the husband has to the wife and the wife has to the husband in this area of affection and and sexual uh, conduct. And he makes this plea. He says, don't deprive one another. What's he talking about? A regularity of having sexual relations. And he gives a reason for it. He says, because if you don't, then Satan can come in and take advantage of your lack of self-control. And there's some things I think about in this uh, vein, uh, Bob. I think about any time spouses are separated for a long period of time, that's a dangerous situation based on the principle taught here. Uh, It could be the military. It could be your work, your job. Sometimes people have assignments for six months or half a year uh, somewhere else. 
we need to be really careful about those situations. Uh, my ad- advice would be to stay away from that as much as possible. Right. I'm not saying that you're inevitably going to fail, but there are so many temptations on both sides of that. The wife is left behind. <clears throat> Her emotional needs are not being met. Somebody else could come along and start doing that. Or if you're somewhere else, your emotional needs or your sexual needs are not being met and you're surrounded by attractive women, somebody could take advantage of that. The Lord is saying, let's be careful here. You've got a mechanism. I've given you. The marriage bed is honorable among all. Take advantage of that. Do that on a regular basis. And only not do that when you, by consent, both parties decide, we're not going to do this for prayer and fasting, for worship or religious reasons. And one thing we don't want to do, and I've seen this happen before, brother, we don't want to weaponize this thing. Somebody gets in a dispute with their spouse, and one side or the other says, I'm going to withhold to teach them a lesson. That's not what we see in 1 Corinthians 7. Why? One, it's not godly. It doesn't show love. But another reason is God is warning you about the potential for your lack of self-control. Well, there are other reasons. You know, sometimes it's just it's interesting to me as I watch the news, listen to the news, how how powerful men think they have a license to, 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 to do anything they want to do. Right. And it, it act in inappropriate ways however they want to. Right. So that power, that arrogance mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. goes to their head, you know, and they feel like I have I have permission to kind of do what I want. Right. And it's just not it's just not right. I I think what I think is, didn't your mother teach you better exactly. than that? Yes, you know, but yes, uh, yes. we if we're in a powerful position if, if we come into some money, mm-hmm. if we have an important position in the company, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things, we need to remember, first of all, that God is the one who enabled us to, to enjoy those things. Right. But we need to clothe ourselves with humility yes, and yeah. not allow the circumstances of this world make us think that we're really more important than we are. Amen. We are. We, don't, we should not think of ourselves more highly than, than we, we should. Ought. That's a good point. And so this... this idea that, you know, I'm powerful, I'm wealthy, I, can, I make my own rules, I'm not subject to the rules of ordinary men and, and women, just, you, we have to rethink that. Amen. And I would say something else, another principle may help you, and, and this is a biblical principle, look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, we always have to be looking out for the interests of others, and I'll tell you a story, um, several years ago, there was a Christian man that was telling me that he had been on a business trip, and he had been propositioned uh, by a lady to do something inappropriate to have sexual relations. And I like what he said to me. He said, you know, Kevin, I just could not do that and hurt my wife. Yeah. And, and I thought, what an admirable viewpoint. He had a viewpoint like Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I understand this scripture is not limited to the husband-wife relationship. It goes much broader than that, but it wouldn't exclude that. And so that man on that occasion was demonstrating that. He was, among many things, thinking, you know what? How can I do this thing and hurt my wife? Right. He was thinking about the emotional fallout she would experience if he engaged in this conduct. And I thought, you know, if we think about those things, again, in the moment, we have a tendency to think for our own gratification, our own selfish pleasure. But if we can take another second to think about others, as we said before, with fornication, it's the same concept. How is this going to affect other people? And especially, think about if, if you got children, how is this going to affect my wife? How's this going to affect my children? How's this going to affect my parents? How's this going to affect my church leaders? How's this going to affect my influence? Here I am supposed to be an ambassador for Christ, and I'm supposed to win souls to Jesus. 
and now I've committed adultery. And, you know, I'll say this, you know, we talk about how society has become to the point where it doesn't blush, but I've noticed there still is kind of a scarlet letter about people that engage in adultery. I mean, even worldly people kind of look down upon that to a certain extent. So just think about what you're doing to your influence. All of that for a few moments of pleasure. Is it worth it? Of course not. Right. But right. we don't think about the consequences. Now, you have men and women, for that matter, but you have people that they, they would never pick up a stick and start hitting their wife with right. it. Right. But they'll do this. Yeah. And it hurts just as bad, Absolutely. maybe even worse Absolutely. in some ways. And Absolutely. so... Uh, you know, what, what kind of person do you become when, when you in, engage in this? Well, you become a sneak. Right, right. You become a liar. Right. You, you know, you, you, you uh, uh, have to conceal your actions right. and all of the, You become the kind of person that you really don't want to be. That's right. When you cross that line. Mm-hmm. And so you have to think about the consequences of your actions. What's this going to do to me? What's Amen. it going to do to the people around me? Amen. I was thinking also of Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Uh In verse, uh, well, I'll just start in verse 1. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, uh, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. God's in heaven, you're on the earth, therefore let your words be few. And then it says in verse 4, when you make a vow to God, Mm -hmm. do not be late in paying it, for he Mm -hmm. takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Amen. And, and we make that vow in, in marriage. You, drink your, yeah. you, you continue, continue that Absolutely. I mean, we make that vow in marriage. We always say that when a person gets married, it's not just the husband and wife that's involved, but God is involved. They've made vows in the eyes of God. God has brought them together. And so if you have told both that wife or that husband, but more importantly, God, that you're going to stay together with that person, then you better keep that vow. You better keep that commitment that you made. So what kind of person are you? Yeah. I made a promise. Mm-hmm. I made a vow mm-hmm. that I would keep myself to my wife yes. and forsake all others. Right. <clears throat> Am I a liar? Right. You know, what kind of person do I... Or, you know, and when I make a vow, when I make a promise, uh-huh. am I going to be the kind of person that keeps it or not? Right. And so <clears throat> that that should be a powerful influence over us as well. I've made a promise. I'm going to be a person of my word. Amen. And, and the other thing I would say, too, <clears throat> that kind of helps us is just become a more spiritually minded person. And I know that's a broad principle that applies well beyond this, but it certainly would help with this. I like Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 on that. You know, if you're trying to be faithful uh, to your spouse, certainly if you're more spiritually minded, you're going to be a lot more successful than otherwise. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are there, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So every individual Christian, whether they're single or married, is called to have a spiritual mm-hmm. mind. But think about it, if you're a husband or if you're a wife and you have a spiritual mindset, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to guard against the temptations of the devil because you're thinking about things through a spiritual lens. You're not thinking about things from, I want immediate gratification, I want pleasure, I, I, I. But you're thinking about other people, you're thinking about their spiritual welfare, you're thinking about their souls, you're thinking about yourself getting to heaven. If you're a husband, you're the leader, the spiritual leader of your home, you're trying to bring that wife along. Adultery would be completely countered. That completely destroy any influence you would have over that woman in terms of leading her to heaven. So if we have a spiritual mindset, it's going to help us 
be faithful to our vows, be faithful to our wife. We're, we're other-centered. I mean, the person who steps out on his wife or steps out on his her husband, extremely selfish, just not yeah. thinking about anything but themselves and what they want. And we've seen it time and time again, just all of the, the just devastation in the lives of those people around us. We made this point in the fornication class. You know, sin doesn't stay uh, isolated to one individual. It spreads. It has consequences. And so this one act can have so many consequences. Yeah. Uh, it can lead to divorce. Uh, that's the one reason that the Lord gives for a marriage to be dissolved. Matthew 19, 9, the faithful party can put away the sexually unfaithful party. And just think what that would do to that relationship, to the children that are involved. It's just all kinds of horrible things that happen mm -hmm. when we don't put God first and put our vows first and be faithful uh, to our spouses have to look beyond this life and uh, the whatever this life has to offer you have to think about the eternal consequences of our actions that's right and uh, for a christian amen. that should be very very powerful amen well we've run out of time uh, hopefully uh, you've gained something and what we're saying in both of these last two podcasts that we did uh, to be holy in this particular way to be holy when it comes to sexual morality it is something doable it is something attainable if you're a single person uh hold off uh withhold don't be engaged wait until marriage it's a wonderful thing it's a gift from god wait to experience that within that relationship and if you're already in that relationship protect that relationship it's precious enjoy the sexual relationship there as god intended it nowhere else and don't flirt and don't uh go down the path that can lead to something down the road that you really would not contemplate and will be very destructive and again this is all for the best i mean you just see it it's amazing to me when we see the consequences of sin it reinforces the teaching that these things are for our good always god is not arbitrarily laying down some commands and say well whether we'll do it or not but these things are designed for us to have the best possible life in this life and also prepare us for the next life godliness has the promise of the life that now is and the life that is to come first timothy 4 8 so hopefully we've all been encouraged to follow god's rules on sexual morality we can do this it is possible our heavenly father has laid it out for us we've got examples of godly men and women who adhere to those standards and we can fall right in that same uh, tradition of doing what god said is right uh, any other parting words well i bring to just close? to to tie on to that a little bit, last week I asked the question, uh, do God, does God place restrictions on us that, that we cannot fulfill? No, no he no. does not. And yeah. so we can, if God asks us to do it, right. we can do it. Amen. We just have, we just have to have the will. That's it. Have the will to do it. That's exactly right. Well, we're going to end with prayer as we always do. And since my brother's having some troubles with his voice, I think I'll take the prayer this time. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity we've had to once again open uh, the pages of divine inspiration, your word, and to study your mind as you would have us to live. And we're so very thankful that you revealed your mind to us, that we have access to your word, that we can read that word, that we can understand that word, and then we can then live by that word. And we're so very thankful for that revelation that brings light to an otherwise life of darkness. We're so very thankful for your son who died on the cross that gave, gives us the only opportunity we have to be reunited with you, to have fellowship with you, and have the hope of eternal life. And we're talking about things pertaining to pursuing holiness. And we want to see you. We want to see Jesus. And we know that without holiness and that pursuit of holiness, we will not have 
that privilege and that honor. And so we're so very thankful that you have told us how we can be pure, how we can pursue holiness in this area. Thank you for your instructions about marriage. We've talked about that, how the uh, marriage bed is honorable and uh, sex outside of that is uh, dishonorable and brings down your condemnation. And please help us be wise as husbands and wives to to really value the sanctity of the marriage and, and to not let other people in the marriage improperly, not to seek things that are to be found only within the marriage, outside of that marriage, uh, to be careful not to start down the road of flirting or developing emotional bonds with others of the opposite sex that are inappropriate. And, and to, to, you know, if we have problems in our relationships, let us fix those problems. And we can do that with having a common standard, your word. We can do that by reaching out to the elders of the congregation that we worship in. Uh, the wife can reach out to older uh, Christian women that can provide advice and counsel. The husband can reach out to older Christian men that, again, can provide advice and counsel. We have the means for godly advice. We don't have to go to inappropriate places that may carry the specter and the danger of infidelity. And so we ask that you would be with us, that we redouble our efforts to be faithful to our spouses. We thank you for marriage. It's a, uh, an ordinance of yours, an institution from your, and we appreciate the blessings that come with us. And let us protect it and guard it and, and really treasure it for all that it is. We ask you to continue to be with us, not only in this area, but all areas of life, that we become more and more like your son. Every day, uh, getting rid of more and more sin, getting rid of more habits of disobedience, and putting on more and more habits of obedience, getting closer to you, expanding our knowledge of your will, exercising uh, the principles so that we have uh, the discernment of good and evil, and uh, becoming uh, more knowledgeable and more wise servants of yours. Please continue to bless us in all aspects of our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.